Hello. Oh my gosh, we're back. We are back after so long. Okay, I'm going to do this before we even start so the people know that we're really back. Ooh, that was nice. It was nice. That was a good one. Um, I saw uh, Cindy not long ago, mm-hmm. and she, she she reiterated how much she appreciates us uh, doing Snapping that. the, yeah. the Coca-Colas so Cindy, for every episode. Cindy, for that's for you. Christy's drinking the Coca-Cola today, the Coke Zero. Yeah. I'm sipping on my coffee. It's a Sunday afternoon. It is Christy. a Sunday afternoon. This is very different for yeah. us. But you know, the movie we watched is very different for yeah, us. Yeah, so this is perfect. This is perfect. Well, hold on. We're, we're not even going to reveal until yeah. a little bit. Um, I'm Christy. I'm Michael. We're Tara and Tacos. We're and here. And we talk about... Tacos and we eat horror movies. Yes, that's what we do. Um, <laughs> and like you just opened a show. I started a new I every did. time. I started a new job. So it's like, well, we haven't seen each other. We to haven't do seen this. each other in forever. And it's, you know, it's all I really want to do, as I've said before. Yeah. But I got to earn a living, Michael. And that's what they say. I got say. them bills to pay. Uh-huh. I got these cats to support. So that's why, because they're not supporting you. Right. They're not doing they, shit. They are not. And they should be. Like, I should have. Is there such a thing as only cats? <laughs> There is now. I, we're gonna I start actually with. feel like that was, even if it's just like him looking handsome, yeah. he doesn't have to, you know, do anything freaky. DC Jones is like, he's an attractive he's a gentleman. magnificent beast. He really is, is what he is. He's staring at me. Yeah, he's sitting on the little day bed in uh, this room and just kind of like, shut the fuck, fuck up. up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hey, because we love the people, we're like, we will get together on a Sunday yep. to make this happen. Yep, yep, yep. But before we talk about the movie, I wanted to ask you uh, a very important question, Christy. Mm-hmm. Why is chorizo so fucking good? <laughs> <laughs> oh, chorizo, the sausage of my people. It's so, like, I had, I mean, I eat chorizo a lot, but I had a chorizo taco this morning, mm-hmm. and I stayed up very late last night, um, and I was like, you know, I wasn't, I didn't drink or whatever, mm-hmm. but I was like, I woke up, and I was like, I'm dying, I'm old, I'm dying. This taco gave me life. life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's. Um, I mean, traditionally, Mexican chorizo is made with pork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what you have. Yes, yes. Um, uh, it's sometimes mixed with beef, but f- more often than not, it's just straight up pork, pork chorizo. And I really feel like it is the combination of herbs and spices and vinegar and chile. Okay. And I know this because my dad, who was part of a, uh, his family were grocers. Mm-hmm. And so my dad was a butcher. He trained as a butcher. That's not what he was for his whole life, but his young training, he was a butcher. And so he knew how to make chorizo. And my, his family, my family, the Velas, had their own secret like ingredients for recipe. Okay. And he would go into the kitchen sometimes and make it. And I'm, it's not so much like, I don't know. It's almost like we weren't allowed in there when he was sure. doing that. Yeah, man. I mean, you come know? on. <laughs> and then suddenly, because he was very adamant about the chorizo resting okay. in a stainless steel bowl. Like, okay. That was the secret to that. I don't know what that was. It needed a rest. He would cover it up <laughs> with like these wet washcloths and the smell of curing, cooking, curing, I guess, chorizo would like just waft through the house and it was the best smell i bet ever and i like i'm gonna say i i it's the combination of spices and they it is unique to each family it's unique how they make yeah how they make it but there is red chile like everything Uh in northern mexican cooking there's vinegar Uh uh-huh um and that's about all and then whatever right. you're going to bring to it. Okay. You're going to bring to it. How did did you eat it with eggs or did you eat it? I had I had a chorizo egg and cheese mm-hmm. taco and um I mean it was from Fuzzies. Like it wasn't even from anywhere that, nothing against Fuzzies, but it wasn't like anywhere an, special. A, but I was like I don't know what it is because whenever I love a breakfast taco, mm-hmm. but there is something about chorizo that like your day, Just, your day is gonna go it's right. It's so zesty and yes. tangy, and I like. I have no idea, and it also depends like what you. And traditionally, for morning time, you you do it with eggs, right? You mix right. it with eggs, and and then, however, like some people don't like to overcook it. Some people like it to be more cooked than not once they put in the other ingredients. My my actually my favorite is chorizo with refried beans. Ooh, nice. Um, 
I don't know what it is about that. There's another thing. Maybe I'm going to research and see if there's such a thing here in Dallas. But back home, there's an appetizer that you can order when you go places, and it's called chori queso. So it's like two of your favorite. Hold on, <laughs> two of your favorite things, Michael. Oh my god! They bring you, they bring you a steaming like bowl or com, what you would call a comal, like a griddle, uh-huh. right? With hot, like flaming hot chorizo with queso. Oh fuck! Yeah, with chips or or tortillas, dude. And it's, come on, it's just like cheese and chorizo mixed together. It's called choriqueso. If it's not in Dallas, you, can, can we yeah. open a restaurant where that's all you? Yeah, make? yeah. As a matter of fact, let me let me. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for you because you're my very good friend. I'm gonna ask my sister Gabby um, how it's made. Okay. I think it originated in South Texas in Laredo that or somewhere around that border. Sense. I'm like, I'm not gonna claim it, Laredo, but it's the only I'll place claim it that, for Laredo. I don't it's care. The only place I've ever seen it served <laughs> actually. It's, and it, I mean that that's it. That's yeah. the dream. So it's basically just chorizo. On a made on a griddle, and then they put cheese on. Come it, on! And they serve it to you like molten. Oh God, it sounds incredible. It's really good. Y'all go get go get a tr- go get some chorizo right now. Right Whatever now. Whatever you're doing, just stop it. Yeah, and go get some and chorizo. go get chorizo and mix it with some eggs or mix it with some refried beans yeah. or whatever you want. And it's, if you're in Laredo with go queso, get yeah. queso. Uh, yeah. that's awesome. Um, not as awesome. Not as awesome. <laughs> it. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. like, I, I keep telling you, it's. I, mean, I know people are gonna maybe expect for us to be like super mad or something. I'm not even mad. I was no. I was excited to watch this movie because everything that was being talked about around it. Yeah, and you know, getting a lot of buzz. Getting a lot of buzz. This kid made his money back and then some. Oh yeah, I mean, I think they. So so the movie is is Skin of Marink, mm-hmm. which is like 2023, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just came out. The again, I don't know all of the truth behind it, but the rumor is it cost him only about fifteen grand. Uh-huh. My feeling is it probably cost more than that. A little bit all, more when all is said and done. But I mean, it has Shutter. Um, hi, puppies. Uh, Shutter snatched it up. Yeah. It has, like you said, made that and way more back. Yeah, way more. Um, and I'm it, glad for him. Absolutely, making a movie's hard. It is hard, and it was getting a lot of, you know. <laughs> This is another one where we sort of, everyone was like, you got to watch it. Yeah. This almost never works out, Christy. My own children. Yeah. My own they, children. They and betrayed it's, you. Know, <laughs> they've betrayed me. And here's the thing. It's like, I brought up my children on only good films. Uh-huh. You know? You know, I've told you before what the rule was in mm-hmm. my home. Got to be my, good writing. It's got to be good writing. If it's not good writing, you can't watch it or read it or listen to yeah. it. You just can't. And, you know, then kids grow up and you, you, it's what happens when you raise uh, independent thinkers. Yeah, they're going to find stuff they, they want to watch. They rebel against you and, yeah. and go find trash. Uh, no, that's not, <laughs> not no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because I respect my children's taste. Sure. I really do. But I do feel, and I guess I'm going to start out this episode by saying what I've already said to you. I do believe this is a generational yeah. gap. You and I, as I said, we grew up Saturday mornings watching classics. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Like whatever was on TV, that's what you were gonna fucking watch. Yeah. And your only choice was changing the channel, right? Uh-huh. On and good, you only had four and what you only four had channels? Four channels. Yeah. In 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 good times, <laughs> you had HBO. Yes. But even that's limited. Right. The best of all situations was you got to choose a video at Blockbuster. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. Our, my kids, this generation, I think is made, this movie was made by and for people who have grown up with everything at their fingertips, uh-huh. right? And and also playing RPG games yeah. and point and click games. Yeah. I Yeah, it's, that was a great, you, you texted me, because you watched it last night. Uh-huh. I watched it this morning. Yeah. Uh, I was going to watch it last night and I was like, oh, I, I got home much later than I thought I would. It was like, I can't, I can't stay up till five it. watching Skinnamarink. Um, but you had texted last night uh, that, that <laughs> about the point and click game. And, yeah. and it was, that to me was dead on. Like, 
I mean, even the fact that for half of this movie, you're just reading text. I know. the fir- But the first thing I texted you was like, okay, don't be mad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, because you had said, you had said, and this is, I think is a good entry point. You So you sent me, me one text and I didn't realize you had started the movie. So I just took it completely out uh-huh. of context. And you were like, I think people are tired of Marvel movies. And I was like, God damn right. She's right. And then you were like, Hold on. <laughs> okay, but don't be mad. So so I will bring this up. So uh-huh. was your reason for texting the Marvel thing because this is so the opposite of that? I think it's because it's so the opposite but the same. Do you, do you know what I mean? I, like now that, you know, yeah. because I had time to sit in my opinion. Yes, sure. And go like, wait a minute, but is it different from a Marvel right. movie? Because or does it just have a lot less money? It probably, it just has a lot Less money. And that's, I don't even know if that's fair to say because I stay away from Marvel movies, but to, for, from what I see of the trailers, uh-huh. they all seem to be the same to me. Yes. They, yes, they and are. That's fine. It's like a big money-making machine. And it's, yeah. I can't, someone recently said like the, uh, oh, Ricky Gervais, who's like, the good actors have all gone to Netflix and, and IFC yeah. and, and Hulu, like, those the people who make marvel movies are 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 bodybuilders like yeah. they're you know they are people who their livelihood it de- is dependent on them looking yeah fit, a certain way you yeah. know yes um and good whatever. on them good on them yeah but yeah well okay the my first point yes i think people are maybe getting a little tired of marvel movies and so this Skinamarink is like so the opposite of that in aesthetic uh-huh. and and uh, realization. Yes. You know? So I mean one of one of the huge conceits of this film is that it is shot in a way I mean it's grainy as hell. Right. At, it's almost black and white for a large portion. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not shot in black and white, but there's such a lack of color and lighting for mm-hmm. so much of it. So then when like you see the colorful Legos yeah. or whatever, they pop out. Oh, the Legos. Oh, fucking A. The, so, so it looks almost like found footage. Right. It takes place in the, in the nineties. It says 1994. Yeah. Four or, or five. five. Um, and so it's almost looks like found footage, though we're not told it's found footage. Mm-hmm. And we are, and this is honestly what bothered me from the beginning. Mm-hmm. There is, I'm not even talking about thematically or story-wise. Right. There is no point of view. Right. Um, and in something like paranormal activity, mm-hmm. there is a reason why there's no true camera POV, right? The the POV of, of paranormal activity is the cameras that they've put all around their house. Right, yes. So it makes sense when you have a shot of Katie just randomly sleeping halfway off the screen. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because this, this it's was set up that way. Like yeah. even even parts of Blair Witch. Blair Witch, which, sure. Uh, is the same thing. And this isn't that. No, I don't know what it is. Because it's, it's sometimes I'm the camera, but not a lot I of the am time. The camera, you know, and like there's a movie called. I, movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. And so my whole thing was okay when you switch to first person, like truly, like I'm I am the camera, which mm-hmm. you know, John, John Carpenter did at the beginning of Halloween, it, uh-huh. and he didn't invent that. That is usually to say make the viewer feel as though they are complicit in right. the action, right. But this is not This is that. not that. But and often it's, and it's rare that it even does that. Like, I don't know where we were shooting from or why. No. And I, I'm, I will go back. I'm going to go back to my point and click RPG. Great analogy. Um, that is a great analogy. Yeah. The, the, the point I'm trying to make it just, is that like, uh, you know, it's your, your point of view is your own. Yeah. Like, uh, whatever. And by, I mean, you, oh, think then speak Christy. Your own, as far as being outside, even of yes. the story, yes. you know, and kind of like uh, your experience is supposed to be, I think, one of your own nostalgia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Of like, ooh, this is yes. It I remember this. I remember it feeling like this when I would wake up and go to the bathroom at night, or like yeah, something no, like that, I mean, or or choosing like 
you know, playing those games that uh, my children played their whole childhood yeah. of point and click. Because and- you literally, the, the, the plot of this. <laughs> what plot? Aristotle just rolled over in his <laughs> grave. Um, is there are two little children, brother and sister, Kevin and Kaylee, uh-huh. who wake up in the middle of the night and their father is gone. And th- their mother is also yeah, gone? Yeah, their mother is gone until she's not. Until she's not. And the doors and windows in their house disappear. Yeah, it's weird. And, mm-hmm. it's, so th- and look, listen, there were moments in this movie of, I think, great tension building. I agree, especially early on. But then there was no payoff. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, and I texted you this also. I think this is like the project after David Lynch week. At, at, at film school. At, at film school. Yeah. Like, build tension like David Lynch builds yeah. tension, you know? And I mean, and then it's so to, to, to hit on that, the Kevin and Kaylee, the, the huge thing about this movie, I, I don't know if huge is the right word, is you... They they are barely a part of this. Like right. We only, for the most part, only see their legs. Mm-hmm. Um, you see their faces, I think, once or twice. Once or twice. The dialogue is almost entirely off screen. Right. It is subtitled for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we're following the story of these two little children. Mm-hmm. But like you said... The POV is of you being outside of the action. Like you're not even, it's like if you were in a game and you're following a little girl and occasionally she runs across the screen right. and you see her legs and then you follow. Right. Like you literally see your character's little feet, yeah. you know, walking. So there are, oh, I said this to Aspen and we, I would like to, I'll bring up, cause she was, she was into it longer than I was. Uh-huh. She eventually bailed, but like yeah. she was into it longer than I was. But I was like, my issue, there is. There, I am not getting to watch actors in space. I'm not getting to watch actors um, working off of each other. Or experiencing insurmountable odds. Yeah. And so if I'm supposed to be connected to Kevin and Kaylee, I'm I'm not. I have no connection to them. I don't them. know them. They're disembodied voices. And yeah. They sound cute because kids sound cute, but like... Yeah. So like, okay. So something interesting, my daughter really enjoyed it. And you know, she was one of the ones that was like, Oh, you have to watch it, blah, blah, blah. And she said, now I warn you, it's not going to be anything that you expect. Well, Isa, how right you were. Uh And then separate from my daughter, Dante also, my son was like, have you seen Skinamarink? And I said, no, I haven't. He's like, I really liked it. We really, really liked it. But I warn you, Uh it's almost as though they know me. Um, he was like, now my son is very literary. My son is is a poet. Yes. And his comment was like, it's more of a a poem. It's more of like a surreal fragmented poem of a hard horror movie Uh than an actual horror movie. How do you feel about that statement? I mean, I think it's a fair statement. And so this was my, would be my response to that. Cause I had a similar thought. It's a tone poem. Um, even Dali and Bunuel, when they made En Chien Andalou, said, fucking hell, this should only be 16 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, those two are two of, of my, those are two of Dante's favorite. Of artists. course, of course, as well they should be. They're both absolute fucking geniuses. And even they were like, Two guys who could literally do whatever the fuck they wanted, especially Dali at that point. Yeah. He's like fucking doing shit for Playboy. Yeah. Um, they were like, nah, you don't, people don't need to see this for an hour and 40 minutes. It's really weird, you know? And people said that our movie was too long. Yeah. And it was where, anyway. Uh, it, yeah. I, I even, I turned to John at one point and I said, I think this would have made a great short. I, the, I had the Aspen said, Aspen and I said the same thing. And, yeah. And, and it would so, have made a great short. And so she even, she read a little about it. She was doing the work. Um, she read a little about it, about it and he, he had been, the director was um, inspired by uh, stories of other people's nightmares, which I'm like, great, I love it. And love I, it. And I think in terms of nightmare logic, um, it is fragmented, it is poetic. Um, and he made a short and then made a full length. Yeah. Uh, and the short, I think, is called Heck, where he was like working on his style of filmmaking, which mm-hmm. again, I respect that, man. Yeah. This... The, 
This does not, this is insane. It's not even that it's just too long. It's, there is, this movie has no business being an hour and 40 minutes. No, it's, you know, I texted you, I was like, hey, remember that scene of that weird angle of the door in the hallway? You mean all of the scenes? You know? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. The Legos again. The Legos. Oh, my God. There's an old-timey cartoon on. Don't scare me like that. I mean, I was like, so the whole movie is going to be old-timey cartoon underscore because please stop. Yeah. It's going to drive me insane. And, like, I thought there were some, like, really nice moments of, like, put the knife in your eye. Yeah. Look under the bed. Look under the bed when you hear this sort of quote-unquote monster or whatever. I thought some of the visuals when the mother does appear were Uh fantastic. I just was like, this movie, why is this still going? And I saw, like, I saw somebody arguing some... One of the youngs. Yeah. You just don't understand slow burn horror. And I was like, no, you don't understand the difference between slow burn horror and something that's fucking plotting. We don't understand slow burn. Yeah, this was like his, not, he wasn't saying this to me, but it was like arguing against older people and like, Fuck off, man. Like, this is just... Slow burn horror is like the original yeah. OG horror. Yeah, man. I, I don't... I don't... Under, I, I was like... And again, this isn't slow burn. It's slow, not slow burn. Slow burn pays Some, off. Slow burn has a payoff at yeah. the end. And it's still this a is, plot. This is like... It's still going. You know? Like, once we reached what I thought should have been the end uh-huh. of the movie, which yeah. was like the weird shot of the tiny house yes. way in the distance, I uh, was like, oh, okay, the end. And Aspen then, literally said the end out loud. Yeah, yeah, I did too. And then? And then there was another scene, and I was like, oh, there's another shot of a hallway. Yes. And, oh, and now here's another shot, and oh, the Legos are back. Yeah. Like, why this? Like, I just didn't know. Another shot of nothing happening. Right. And I was, you know, it's like I said, I'm, I'm not even angry. It's almost like we are at a place now where movies are being made. And ch- listen, y'all, change is inevitable. Sure. I understand. Things evolve and, and, and people who are making things are absolutely influenced and informed by how they grew up and the times they grew up in. Uh-huh. Shut up, Chris. Just make your point. But it seems to me like we are now going in a direction that is so completely foreign to what I grew up with. Yeah. It's so completely foreign to what I, you know, the, the, the people who were my teachers yeah. of film, which, you know, when I say that, I mean like sitting down and watching the old maestros. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> It's just not, now it's like Nintendo school of making yeah. movies. And I would put this, this this reminded me of a movie that we didn't review, but I have brought up uh, that I watched, which was We Are Going to the World's Fair. Oh, in, yeah. And, and in which no two actors share um, a, scene a scene together, if it's not on a screen. Huh. Uh, and I, I get it. I mean, I understand where that comes from. It's wholly uninteresting. It's uninteresting. This movie was uninteresting. Yeah. We're going to the World's Fair was uninteresting. Yeah, and this one was too. I am to sorry. Me. I am sorry the isolation in which you all grew up in. I truly am. It's uninteresting. Yeah. You have nothing. You virtually, these movies say nothing, nothing. about anything. And you can say like, and I agree with you, we are moving in a different direction and change is inevitable. There are some things that have barely changed for 2000 years. Um, and if you're going to fuck with structure, understand the structure. Yeah. Um, there's a reason. It there's works. a reason. And I'm not saying everything has to be classically structured or Aristotelian or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And there are issues with it and I get it. And it's Western and male and all of that. Um, but there is a reason that that story structure has lasted for so long. And that as an audience member, it works because you get invested emotionally. Do people say that it's Western and male? That is one of the main, those are the two main arguments against classical structure. Yeah. In like really super dorky, um, literary circles. I don't under, I can so is there, there like a different way of telling? Uh, there are certain like Eastern patterns and like things. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we really want to just get into nerd shit, uh, they argue that the three actor classical structure, people who would argue this, uh-huh. I'm not one of them, uh, is based on the male sexual experience. Uh- and so that you reach a climax and then the thing is done. 
Huh. Whereas the female experience can be different than that. Okay. Welcome to our class, people. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. I think it's based on like the way a day functions and the way time functions. Yeah. Um, I don't think that gender or sex has anything to do with it. I agree with you. I'm just like those are those are two of the arguments. I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean this is like deep fucking like when when people are like I have to write a paper and piss people off. <laughs> like it's that stuff. But anyway, like th- my problem and you you bring this up a lot. Are you scared? Yeah. Are you and or are you emotionally invested? Yeah. And if I'm not I think I think one I think if you're emotionally invested you can be more scared. Right. But if not you have to have one. You have to have one. I mean, there are there are horror movies out there that are not necessarily scary to me, but I am emotionally invested and there's like atmosphere, you know, and this is all, I don't even know if this is atmosphere. I no, no, because I thought, I thought it lacked some, and I, again, look, man, I get it. Like good on you for using these things in the public domain. Like I, I get what uh-huh. the choice, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have the you don't have money, right? We, I understand absolutely. That. But the complete lack of a score, mm-hmm. other than um, the score of the cartoon. Yeah, at some point, like Atmos. I'm not. You look. I mean, you could be like, well, fucking Hitchcock didn't use a score in the birds or whatever. But I was like, yeah, but that was the point, right? <laughs> Like this, also that had a structure. Yes, <laughs> there was a story. I like Tippy Hedren, and we were in Tippy Hedren's head. Yeah, and like to me, if you're gonna do a tone poem or whatever, you, there are elements of filmmaking that you did not use to create atmosphere. Sound being a huge one of them. Sound right. and music. Right. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, so let me, I'll throw this out at you. Okay. And, and I don't, again, I, so Aspen was into this way longer than I was. Mm-hmm. And then eventually t- she too grew bored. <laughs> but I was like, man, I'm kind of shocked that she's even paying attention. Yeah. And at one point something happened and she was like, oh man, oh God, I don't like that. And I was like, really? Why? Like, why are you into this? And she said, and I was like, okay. So she said that the two little ones, um, reminded her of when she and her twin sister mm-hmm. were little and they could sort of with not even on purpose not to be cruel really frighten each other yeah like build up anticipation to where like they by the end of a you know a conversation when they were very little and they shared a room when they were little th- they were like waiting for something scary to happen right and i said okay that's cool i didn't have that my brother was old you know he's almost five years older than i am Mm -hmm. if i was scared he would be like it's not real (laughs) okay (laughs) so i was like cool but even that flamed out for her yeah because it didn't be it wasn't about that because there was no payoff right there was no pay i mean and there were times where i was like oh you know like there was a moment where I think it's Kevin goes into the bedroom and the dad is back sitting yeah, and he yeah. says, look under the bed. Yes. Right? And yes. so spooky and it's as hell. spooky as hell. And so he's like, I don't want to. And he's like, look under the bed and one, two. And then the third time you expect something's going to happen. And if not, he's going to break that one, two, three sequence and do it on the second time uh-huh. or do it on the fourth time, or it's not going to be under the bed. It's going to be when he comes back up, you know, whatever. Right. There's like a structure to these things. And if he had broken that, but there was no, there's nothing. no, there's no payoff at all. There was nothing at all. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, so is this all just about tension building? Is this all just about, I remember when I was a little kid I- and staring up at the ceiling to the corner of the room so and i get and i i get that but again to me you can only sustain that that if that's your way of about 16 minutes (laughs) yeah dude yeah just listen to Boonwell. Yeah, please, yeah. Please, please but just also, listen to Boonwell. But also, like, <laughs> I mean, ah, yeah, it's, and I, I told you this morning, I said, I remember when I was a little kid and, you know, my life was watching scary movies on Saturday mornings, yeah. you know, that's, and my mom would come into the living room and be like, hey, turn off that TV and why don't you go outside and play? Or 
read a book uh-huh. or go do something else. Stop watching movies. Yes. Right? And I, re- I remember telling my kids, hey, why don't you watch a movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of playing that game all day for yeah. hours and hours and hours right. playing these point and click yeah. games, these RPG games that were scary. I blame John. I blame John for everything. I blame John. Um, John and, encouraged it. And look, we could sit here and say all of this and like at the same time, if if people, your kid, you know, Dante and Issa's age are the demographic and they liked it, good, then, then good go on for you. it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think like you said, I smile made me angry uh-huh. um i think both of yeah. us like we felt like this was movie was bad like it was bad things could happen because of how lazy this movie was right that's not how i felt about no, this at all this, i was just bored i was just bored like this movie is not you know and i don't even think he claims that he's a genius no like, no i think it's other people it's other people who are like oh my god and he's just like i just made a fucking movie in my parents, in my house. parents house and i raised he raised the money on seed and spark i i respect the hell out of that absolutely and it and it is what i mean it's just it's not going to hurt anybody. No. And he even said, I read an interview, like he said, he's like, I, I thought it was like, this is very, this is a sweet kid. He was like, I, he's probably 30. I'm calling him a kid, but you know, he's a kid. he was like, I didn't want to upend my parents' life. Right. <laughs> so they shot in a very specific part of the house and left his parents the fuck alone. Yeah. Um, and he said his parents don't keep their car in the garage, so they let him use the garage for like video village. Yeah, and I'm like, hey man, that good, f- good for you. Good for I you. just don't. What's I think what bothered me again, not angry. I think what bothered me, and I, I understand why you don't do this because if you have children in a movie, that is a whole other fucking thing. Yeah. Like there are rules, man. Yeah, there and good. Thank God. Thank God there are rules, <laughs> Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to the factory. <laughs> um the story of this, I would love to see actually told in a more traditional way. Yeah. I, I would mean, love to see I mean this. when I read the synopsis, which is like two little kids yeah. wake up in the middle of the night to find that their parents are gone. Yeah. I mean, that is terrifying. I, yeah. And I do remember being a little kid and having that thought. Yeah. And and I would love to have seen the little kids, I would love to have just been able to watch th- them them deal with it mm-hmm. um, as opposed. And look, I'm not saying you had to have a ton of dialogue. They're little kids. There's not going to be a ton of dialogue. Right. Um, but we don't. We don't get to see them. No. You know, remember Night of the Hunter? Yeah. Where we see the two little kids having to deal with that, you know, and, and it's it's really beautiful and we get to invest in those two children and they have to help each other and they get in a little boat yeah and they go down this river and i mean i don't even know why i brought that up it's just that that's a classic story of like these two children who have to deal with a situation that's much bigger than they are and i i said like i was talking to aspen and after she said the thing about her and zen when they were zenobia when they were little and i was like to me there's almost it is one of the most, if not the most interesting relationships in, in all of life mm-hmm. is, and there's nothing, not, nothing against only children, <laughs> but like <laughs> there, there's, you're a sibling. There's nothing like a sibling relationship nope. and, and there, and no two sibling relationships are the same right? because age makes mm-hmm. a difference and um, gender, especially when yeah. we were growing up makes a difference. And so to see a little brother, a, a brother and a, and a sister, two little kids, like having to deal, that would have been to me infinitely fascinating. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's stuff that mythology's made absolutely. of. You know? I mean, I mean it's, it's like the twin journey. Yeah. And in this is Hansel and Gretel yeah. and, and I, but we don't get that. We don't get we, that we, we get their, their little legs and their, their little voices. Like little whispers and barely. And we just read their audible. text. Yeah. Like there were, there were moments that I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like when they're walking down the hall and suddenly the window appears. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, is this going to be kind of like a, you know, Twin Peaks type yeah. of situation? That's Aspen said the same. She was like, oh, that was like right out of Twin Peaks. Yeah. I was like, did he, he watched episode yeah. eight, I bet. Um, His parents love David Lynch. Oh, really? No, His parents. Saying. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and you know, other times when like stuff, like when the little boy gets up and he looks up and there's a chair on the ceiling, Yeah, like 
I was like, fucking A, man, that's cool. Yeah. They're, they're, but nothing pays off. You have 65 good images. <laughs> Yeah. We, we keep coming back to Lynch. And as, I mean, I look, I, and I think he's a great, I think he's always great to come back to. Yeah. Because if anyone tells you, well, you just don't like weird stuff or you don't like stuff that's no, different. We love like, David Lynch. Fuck off. Yeah. At the same time, and this is, I, I probably have talked about this scene a lot and you I've talked to you about it a lot. David Lynch can take a scene like in Mulholland Drive and put you in, you know, Club Silencio that logically or rationally, nothing in that scene makes sense mm-hmm. because it's that movie. And by the end of that scene, I am weeping. Yeah. Um, he also because has he's a, a language. He's a master. Right. And he, <laughs> he has built a language in his career. Yeah. Right. Where, and I don't know, maybe this guy will continue to do this. <laughs> sure. But like, nah. Um, yeah, he's built a language in his career that you like. If you watch his stuff, you go, "Oh, I know what that is." Yeah, you know, like the other day I was watching um, Elephant Man, and there's a scene at the very end where the woman, this woman, I think it's his mom, like appears in like a sphere in the sky. He loves right? he loves that. He loves that, and I yeah. was like, "Oh, that's just like fucking Laura Palmer." Yeah, man. You know, and he does it over and over again. Yeah. Um, but there's a language to it and a sort of logic to it. Yes. And again, if, I mean, and it's not fair, like Mulholland Drive costs millions and millions of dollars and is arguably, yes, one of the best films ever made. Uh, But it is, he is, you have the music of Battle of Mente. Yeah. You have the voice of, um, uh, yeah. Or in, in Mulholland, it's, uh, uh, Rebecca, uh, Del Rio. Right. Uh, you have the face of Naomi Watts breaking. Like there are still filmic elements mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. I just, I, ugh, this, I, I mean, I wrote down and this is, I'm not even trying to be a dick. I know I'm, I know I am a dick. I, at one point I just wrote down, <laughs> am I even watching a movie? I know. No, I, I had the same feeling. I had the same feeling and I really, really, really was concerned about this afternoon and how long we were going to be able to talk about this film. Yeah. And I said to you, I was like, I, you know, we can talk about the Super Bowl the second <laughs> half if you want to, Michael. I'll just sit and listen to you because. Because I'm very sad about it. you're very sad about it. That's something to be angry about. But I'm like, I don't know. I mean. Yeah. And it, it, it's, and like, you, you know, yeah, you already brought it up. If, if, if film is going in a direction that, that is not our thing that, hey man, we, you know it's it's not our part put me in my coffin yeah it's not our <laughs> place and i i told you I was, I, and i might have brought this up before but i texted you earlier like there's this very old neil simon quote oh please please say this because and, this is so good and for those of you like neil simon's really famous playwright but he also wrote for like a lot of television like the show of shows and the phil silver show and all this stuff mm-hmm. and so when neil simon was older they asked neil simon <laughs> he had made it clear that he did not like um younger TV writers writing, not saying they were bad people. Right. Just didn't like the writing on like TV these days. Right. And they asked him why. And he said, my generation of television writers was brought up on the theater. And today's generation of television writers was brought up on television. And now we have reached a point where today the youngest or younger filmmakers weren't even raised on movies. Right. They were raised on short clips of things and games that that's nothing against them, but like we are now two steps removed away. Like it's another step from what Simon was saying. And uh, look, I get what Simon was saying at the same time. Like I love TV. I, you know, whatever that's, I was, we're the age he was mocking. Right. But we are now like, it's not even like you grew up like, you know, watching movies. Yeah. You watch, and you can make, look, you watched YouTube. You can make a really scary three minute clip. Yeah. That's different than making a really scary or real, not not even just scary, a really effective, engaging hundred minute movie. Right. This Um, was, this was not that. No. And, and I felt very similar to, to we're going to the world's fair. It's like, this would have been interesting for 16 minutes. 
Not even. Also, the I mean, the you know, the title, Skinamarink. Skinamarink, yeah. You know, it's that little Skinamarink. Yeah. Yeah. Why was it called Skinamarink? I don't know. So my thought, that's a great question. My thought was like, um, is it something that you would have seen or learned from it, like an old child's cartoon or something? Um, that's what I came up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Wasn't it on Barney? I, I don't know. Huh. Um, but yeah, Aspen knew the little song, the Skinamarink. Maybe yeah. it was. Yeah. I never had to watch Barney. Yeah. I did not allow my children <laughs> to watch Barney. <laughs> she- so, you know, we, I have, so, you know, since we have some time, because yeah. it seems like we're done talking about the movie. I got nothing left to say. Um, I was on Barney. For two episodes. That's fucking incredible. I played... Because it was shot here. It was shot here in Dallas. I played uh, non-threatening Hispanic mother <laughs> number one. Um, <laughs> my scenes were always... Like, I was in two episodes, and it was basically like coming to the park to pick up my Hispanic child. Awesome. Um, and it, I always had a line that was like, Hi, Barney, where did you go this time? Or like That's something like that. That's so rad. So this one time, this was back in the day when my kids were in elementary school, I did not allow my children to watch Barney. I have friends who worked on Barney. I have friends who did behind the scenes. I have friends who were on Barney. Uh-huh. I'm so glad you made a shit ton of money. I am so happy for yeah, you. Yeah, man. Cash that shit. Go with God. It, Barney's terrible writing. <laughs> um, it's terrible writing. There's no child who wants carrot sticks and a cup of milk for snack. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Um, Anyway, so I went to go shoot my scenes and it was like I had to rush back from Farmer's Branch to pick up my children in Oak Cliff from school. And so I didn't have time to get out of costume (laughs) and uh, pull up to Rosemont Elementary School in my minivan and I get out of the, my two kids are standing there. I get out and I'm wearing like little khaki capri pants and a pink button down. Oh, that's fantastic. Flats and my hair's pulled back in a tasteful manner. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, come on, get in the car. And my kids, the look on their faces when they saw me get out of the car. (laughs) And as they approached me, Isa said to me, what are you wearing? (laughs) And I said, I told you I was shooting Barney today. Calm down. And Dante's like, never dress like that again. They were like, yeah, they were like, mom, never dress like this again. And I was like, uh, this is buying your PlayStation. Yeah, this Christmas, yeah, shut, so the shut the fuck up. up. <laughs> uh, Barney's paying for your Christmas, so shut up. I love you, and you love me. Yeah. <laughs> now eat your Oreos and Coca Cola. So um, good. Yeah. Oh my god! I didn't know you were on Barney, yeah, man. That's someone, fantastic. Like, a few years ago, someone sent someone from the production team sent me a DVD. I'm on it somewhere. Nice. Yeah, man. We had Barney and Wishbone. That set was be- the Barney set was beautiful. I bet. I know the I know the designer Bob LaValle designed that set. Did he really? Yeah. And I mean, we know so many people that who, worked on who, it that worked on Barney. Yeah, I love that we're just talking about Barney. I miss Barney because obviously, like, I didn't have kids, and I uh-huh. don't. I think Aspen probably watched it a little with her. She's, you know, yeah. her little sister's nine years younger. I, I luckily just missed. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was out there in the zeitgeist. Terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I never saw it. It is bad writing. Fantastic. Sorry. Sorry now, I'm- I did. I'm going to admit this freely. We used to get super high in college and watch the shit out of Wishbone. Oh, I love Wishbone. Yeah, and we have a bunch of you yeah, know, friends Wishbone on that. Yeah, Wishbone is really good writing. Yeah, I, I love really, that show. I wish they would bring Wishbone back. It's a great show, man. It's a great show. I fucking, freaking love it. And it was like literary, and you yeah. had like, you know. And we have so many so friends, many friends who are on, on it. it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. But, I uh, was also, so I was a guardian of someone who was on it. I never got to be on Wishbone because I was pregnant and there was the no world doesn't yeah, want to see that doesn't want to see a pregnant Come woman on. on tv but anyway i was the guardian of elena hurst who's an actress in new york now and when she was, was little she was little and she was the bad girl uh-huh Great. she was the, the yeah she was the bad girl who was who was uh always bullying the three main, main kids the, the main white children yeah that she was the Mexican girl. That's what happens. That's what happens because the brown girls are the bad girls. Right. Anyway, I was right. her guardian. So I was on set a lot, a lot of the time. Oh, for, that's great. Wishbone. Yeah. Cool. It was, it was pretty great. All right. Y'all, if you haven't seen Wishbone, go watch Wishbone. Go watch Wishbone. 
I got so to do a great. commercial with the voice of Wishbone, and the uh, whole time I was just like, holy shit, man. Wishbone's talking yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> he was okay. very nice. So I, I got to be in, uh, I mean, Julie Johnson, who does the voice of Baby Bop. Yeah. We were, what show? Oh, it was Cabaret at the theater center, and uh, she was in it, and the, some of the Kit Kat girls were like, oh, you know, they're younger. They're the sure. youngs, and they were brought up on Barney. And at one point, I leaned over to two of the Kit Kat girls, and I said, you know who that is, right? And they were like, woo, woo. I said, that's the voice of Baby Bop. And they were like, you're lying. Oh, my and I God. Said, Julie. I said, Julie, do Baby Bop. And she turned around and did the baby. And they fucking peed in their pants. That's, and they were like, oh, my God, we're in a show yeah. with Baby Bop. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Love it. That was a good show. Yeah. Pretty great. Oh, um, Cabaret? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty awesome. I thought you were going back to Barney. And I was like, we no, just no, no, decided no. it was terrible. Cabaret. Good show. Yeah. Cabaret. Also, good movie. Yeah. Also a good movie. Another good movie. Made by a master. <laughs> made by a master who understands structure. Yeah. Um, I did watch a movie last night called Nocebo. Okay. Um, Eva Green and Mark Strong. I love both of them. And there's a young woman. I can't remember her name. Uh, so I'm not even going to try. I'm sorry. This young Filipino actress. And it is a good, solid folk horror movie i mean it's really great this ava green plays um i love ava green oh she's fantastic she plays this this fashion designer perfect who gets her comeuppance thank god yeah thank god <laughs> and mark strong oh he's so good yeah he's like one of those i don't know what he is in this movie but you're like would he kill me in real life yeah yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> i'm a little scared of him yeah. and also a little turned on yeah by like, him. like i always but if like, i said the wrong thing at a pub would uh -huh. he kill me he's like a tom hardy for me yeah totally yeah totally. where it's like i'm totally attracted to you but also just a little afraid um that's awesome i will throw out to uh if there is a series on Amazon, a series of documentaries that I love called Searching for Darkness mm -hmm. um, that is basically yeah. traces the kind of like VHS revolution mm -hmm. in horror. And the final installment, part three, Searching for Darkness, part three, uh, just came out. And it is, y'all, some of the deepest cuts of 80s. You know, like you're like, I know a lot about horror. And then you're like, oh, oh my I, God, yeah. I know nothing. Yeah. Um, this is that one. Oh, and cool. And it, it's really cool. Well, I'm going to go watch it. It's really cool. I always like to be surprised yeah. by that. I always like to discover something that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, how did I miss it? And you know, the 80s, they talk a lot about because it was the the when VHS really hit right th that you could people who never could have made a movie in the past actually mm -hmm. could make movies which I think is kind of what we're seeing with streaming yeah. now but so that there's there really is just so many many movies mm -hmm. made directly you know f for video that I mean like yeah, there. I was just like, wait, what? That's a that's a real thing. Uh, so it's cool. The whole series is cool. Searching for darkness. Uh, the first one is m much more movies, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, the second one is like a little more tangent. Yeah. yeah. And then the third one is like, holy shit! I had no idea that yeah. existed. This morning, I also saw a friend of mine gave me the hookup with a director's cut of the original wicker man oh nice which is something that i have been wanting it's not available so like was this the friend who got us the kiss movie no no this okay. is another friend um who you know there's the the director's cut but for many 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 years they thought that that movie was just lost right like it did not exist and a few years ago i would say like maybe 10 years ago someone discovered it discovered like this old can of film in a library in New York. Holy shit. Just like stored in a vault or something. And it was like, what the fuck is this? And they opened it and it was the director's cut of the Wicker Oh Man. my like God. The only transfer in existence. And, um, that's crazy. I know. So I've been like after that for a long time. Uh -huh. And, uh, she so sent me a, a link and it's really good. Like there's some, is it markedly different? Uh, there's a few things that cool. happen in a d order that don't happen in, in, That's in cool. the first movie. That's great. Um, but it's, it does not, I mean, I love the first, I love the, 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 the theatrical release. Fucking it's such movie. a fucking great movie. And this one just, just adds a little bit more story. Oh, cool. It, which is really, really great. I love it. Um, so yeah, if you really want to see the director's cut, let me know and I'll hook you up. Yeah, that's badass. <laughs>
Uh, all right. I mean, we'll figure out. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have to keep recording on Sundays, but we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. You know, we st- you still have to watch the menu. Yes. Which I think. Let's do that next. Okay. Let's do that next. I'll watch it again because I want to watch it again. Which some people might argue that it's not a horror movie, but I, I think don't care about movie. those people, Christy. Uh, yeah. I don't care about those people either. There's also Megan, which I was going to watch, but I don't want to rent it for 20 bucks. No, you got to. Come on. We got to wait till it's four bucks. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to. Sp- I mean. You know, but okay. But here's the argument for that. This morning I was like, I don't want to pay 20 bucks to right. see Megan. If I'm going to pay 20 bucks. I want to go to the theater. And right. I'm like, yeah, but I'm paying, I end up paying 20 bucks at the theater to be cold. Oh yeah. And, and then, if you get food, then you end up spending like $80. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so 20 bucks to stay in my own home and watch it. Yeah. But I don't have surround sound and all that stuff. Right. So like, no, I'm going to wait till no, it's and I, get, I, I totally get it. Um, mm-hmm. I, there are very few movies I have spent the 20 on. Yeah. <sighs> and I was never happy when it, no. when I did. No. Yeah. No. Uh, Yes, because the flip is you're cold in the theater and all that, but like you got to go to the theater, you got out of the house, yeah. you did something. You did you something. You did something. Okay, here's the other thing is I don't know how far you've gotten. I don't know if you're going to finish it. I don't even know if you care, but we have to at some point talk about Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes, uh, absolutely. The, and we don't have to talk about all, all of, of them, them, but there are a few in there that are so... This is the, for those who don't know, is Del Toro's uh-huh. Netflix show. Netflix show. They're so good. And these are not full length movies, right? These are like sh- like it's like a Twilight Zone, yeah, definitely, you know, type of situation, and they're so good. Yeah, and he went out Ugh. and got because he can do, do whatever anything. he wants because he's Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, Toro. Got um, you know, really awesome directors from horror, from the horror genre, from other genres, mm-hmm. from from all over the world, mm-hmm. um, or There's at least from actors. Europe, South America, and North America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, great actor. Fuck, dude, F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. Come on. He's still making it happen, Christy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So I'll watch the menu. We can watch. We can talk about Cabin of Curiosities. I'll tell you which one my favorite episode is. It's called The Viewing. Okay. And I think it's one of the last ones. I will ones. watch that one because yeah. I got through, I think, four and then life happened. Please, so. please watch The Viewing. Okay. It's- Is it's, that Cosmos- uh, Panos Cosmatos. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I. Hell, you like, had me at Panos. I'm telling you, man. Like this movie, I almost cried, and I wasn't even high. And it was one of those things where it it made me. I think I've said it before. It made me nostalgic for a thing that I didn't even know I needed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, dude? It, Panos, dude. Like the aesthetic of the movie, and ah, uh, I it's it. Uh, I loved it. I loved it so much. He's like one of my new weirdo favorites. Oh, he's. I love him too. Yeah. Um, awesome. All right, right, y'all. Be good. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.